Bible specifically talks about things like the coronavirus, believe it or not. And the Bible specifically tells us as believers in Christ what to do. That's what we're talking about today on Insights. Welcome to Insights, and um, I just was at the uh, Johns Hopkins University website where they give the, the totals in light of what's going on with the coronavirus, and uh, as of this morning, and we've been at this now in a big way for two weeks, as of this morning worldwide, there's almost 250,000 reported cases, and the, the number of deaths is just over 10,000. And in the U.S., we are a little bit over 14,000 cases with uh, just over 200 deaths reported. So we're in unusual days. This is crazy. Um, but um, I want to get at today specifically what God is calling us to do, specifically from the Bible. And it's going to take a little bit to get there, but hang, hang with me. And first, I just want to touch on how serious is this? I mean, isn't that the question of the hour? And probably like you, over the last couple weeks, I've been getting all these statistics related to what the annual flu virus does every year. And it's somewhere every year between 12,000 and 61,000 people actually die from the flu, influenza, every year in the United States. So, I mean, I was kind of blown away by this. And it made me wonder, like, why aren't we closing down March Madness, the NBA, NHL, and our public schools? Why aren't we doing that every year? Like, that's a lot of people. And so, anyway, um, uh, you know, there's some things to sort out here. And uh, I believe it was just this flu season. So, meaning the last few months, this year, 2019 and 2020, so far we've had 18,000 deaths in this country already just from the flu. Now, are we on that kind of a trajectory or a much more serious trajectory with the coronavirus? All I can say is I've heard, like you, many, many people talking about this all the time. We'll just have to wait and see. Some people are saying it's going to be 10 times more potent. Some people saying um, all the way on the other end of the spectrum that this is not going to turn out to be nearly that bad. And even now we're only at about 200 deaths. And so there's a lot of conflicting things going around and certainly uh, if we only listen to the media, certainly we're probably going to be in more angst than we need to be. But nevertheless, this could be as serious as some of the people say. We're just going to have to wait and see. So far, the government and the CDC, they've been very helpful, especially helpful in a couple areas. Personal hygiene has been huge. Wash your hands. And then also social distancing. They've talked about that quite a bit. And there are also uh, potential drugs that could help that we're hearing about. So we're getting this kind of stuff from the government. But I just want to stop right now and say, we need some help from the church, the body of Christ. What is the church doing or saying about this that is beyond that? Most of what I've gotten so far from local churches is social distancing and personal hygiene, washing your hands. And I, I need, and I think a lot of people like me, need more than that from the church. And that's why I want to share what I'm going to share here the rest of our time together. Um, first, 
rooting ourselves as, as the Lord is our anchor. But then secondly, and I feel like um, just as importantly, probably more importantly, specifically, what does the Bible say about a coronavirus? And specifically, what are we to do as the church? I believe we are supposed to be leading in the church, the body of Christ, we are supposed to be leading as much as the government. And I know that sounds crazy because all we get through the news is what the government's saying, but this can be an important moment for the church. I believe a crucial moment for the church. So I'm going to cover both of those. Let's uh, briefly go over the first area about just having the Lord as our anchor. That is so huge. We're supposed to be different from everybody else. And therefore, one way to be different is to not be panicking. You know, I think of some reasons we could panic, especially as we watch the news, is that we need to hoard uh, food and stuff and even much more than we need. Um, we can have a I'm going to survive at all costs mentality. We can, uh, we can be fearful of a, a sharp economic downturn, which is uh, really being discussed in a big way right now. Or we could just be afraid of death itself. All of those things, as believers, we're supposed to be different from the world. We are supposed to respond different. We are supposed to be the ones with the flashlight in a dark room. Uh, so let me just hit a few passages. Of course, there's hundreds of these and I'm only giving a sampling. But, but the Lord is awesome and we need to remember that. So first from Psalm 91, quoted so many times, but so pertinent to this specific pandemic that we are facing. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrows that fly by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. And so God is telling us in Psalm 91, he's with us and we've got to decide, do I believe that? or not. If not, why not? We need to turn back and really trust in the Lord. Now, I want to just highlight a number of heroes in the Bible just because they were in distressing situations, uh, potentially facing their own mortality. And, you know, King David, he says in Psalm 34, when he had been in a very distressing situation where his life was on the line, he says, the righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. Let's walk with the Lord. Let's walk in righteousness. Let's do what he's calling us to do. And he protects us. It's an awesome, awesome example from David and I believe a promise to us. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. In other words, the one who overcame everything, he lives within us as believers. So the overcomer lives within us. We're overcomers. And we need to take heart. Again, we need to be different than the world. We need to be a light in this, this darkness. Paul said, while he's trusting in the promises of the gospel, he says, where, O death, is your sting? Even if he has to die, there's no sting to that. I get to go to a better place. Are we really living that out in the church today in light of this virus? It's a wide open door to share the gospel because it should turn people's heads. I think of Paul when he says in Philippians 1, he says to live as Christ and to die as gain. To live as Christ because he gets to bear more fruit. He gets to help more people. He, he gets to do God's will on this earth. But to die is gain. That's exactly what he says. Do we believe it? And not just during a coronavirus pandemic, but all the time. You know, um, John Wesley, he, uh, 
he came to faith eventually because he was on a transatlantic ship and there were all these godly believers, the Moravians, on that ship and they got caught in a storm. And the Moravians had complete peace. Can you imagine being on one of those wood ships back in the day in those huge swells? And the Moravians are calm and they know where they're going. And John Wesley, deep inside, doesn't. And it's through that episode that he comes to faith. So I think this is very important even as us being a witness today. In Hebrews 13, 5, always one of my favorites, God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He's going to walk with us through this whole thing. So we have all of these unwavering promises and many more, but what do we do? And this is what I really want to get to because what I've said so far, I've heard a lot of people say, even some people within the church. However, what I'm saying next, I've been surprised at what a void there has been within the body of Christ. And this is where we move beyond social distancing or streaming our, our church services or washing our hands. This, this, I believe, is what God is calling us to do as believers right here, right now. And this is where I'm getting into that the Bible talks about pandemics, just like the coronavirus. So, a common passage that I've heard quoted for my entire Christian life by different people, different times, different ministries, churches, leaders, etc. It's so common and it's this, 2 Chronicles 7.14, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. But while that has been quoted so many times, what I would say during relatively peaceful times in our nation, now that the coronavirus has uh, come forth, I hardly ever hear it. And, and in context, we need to go back to verse 13. It's talking about na national disasters and God's judgment and things like that. It specifically highlights three areas. One, that it's not going to rain. That that's going to create a famine. So that's huge. A second is when locusts would come upon the land in, in biblical times and, and eat everything, including their potential food. So that would also ca cause a famine and other problems. But number three, it specifically highlights a plague or, or depending on the translation, pestilence. If you look up the definition for a plague or pestilence, it is an epidemic or a pandemic that causes a higher mortality rate. That is the coronavirus. It's right there in the scriptures. And then we have verse 14. Now it's time to call the people to those four areas. And I want to encourage us, even like urge us, this is our moment. We've got to do this as the body of Christ. This is not a time just to focus on social distancing. This is a time to carry out exactly God's prescription. Let's say this, his remedy for the day and hour in which we're living. He gives it right there in 2 Chronicles 7, 13, and 14. And I also want to highlight the chapter 6 of 2 Chronicles. Solomon is crying out on these very issues and we see these ideas again and other problems that, that Solomon identifies. And God says, if you will follow this prescription, this remedy for a plague or a pandemic, I will do this. And this is our moment. 
in, in our nation, even in the world, it is our moment as the body of Christ to do the exact thing that God told us to do in this exact environment. So first, we want to make a public stand on humbling ourselves. And uh, I believe that humbling ourselves first is to publicly say that this coronavirus is way bigger than any of us and our plans and our human ingenuity and our government and the CDC is to acknowledge our humility. We need divine help. We need help from the living God who can intervene at any moment. And if we don't start acknowledging this publicly, we're not even getting out of the starting blocks on this thing in terms of what God is calling the church to do in this day and hour. And so, so the first area is to, to humble ourselves, recognizing that we don't have the answers. We need help. We need divine help. And part of this as we go on is that we have been wrong in some, some areas. And I think actually, I'm going to include one now, is, um, is part of humbling ourselves is to really confess to one another when we've hurt another person to, to, to confess that sin, apologize to that person, or, or um, if they have hurt us and we're holding a grudge, bitterness, that kind of thing. It's a way of humbling ourselves. A way of humbling ourselves is to become uh, in the right relationship with other people as we, and that will help us to be in a right relationship with God himself. Now, obviously, if we've offended God, we need to deal uh, uh, vertically as well. But all these horizontal relationships, I believe even that is part of humbling ourselves, that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So step number one, public stand on humbling ourselves. Okay, number two, it says in 2 Chronicles 714 to pray. And this is not just a prayer before our meals or, or a prayer before we go to bed. This is prayer. And I want to include here group prayer, but I realize that there's a lot going on right now with social distancing. Maybe we could do that over the phone or other ways. But my point is this, is that we need to intercede, meaning we need to go to God on his, based on his promises in this passage. And we need to ask him to intervene. We need to ask for help. We need to intercede for people who are sick. We need to ask God to heal them. We need to pray. We need to pray that the body of Christ in America will wake up. We need to pray that, that, that that's, that's implied here in 2 Chronicles 7, that uh, when these difficulties come, God is trying to rouse us out of our slumber as a people. And I believe that's both Christians, the church, and non-Christians. We need to, to wake up and we need to be in prayer as the body of Christ. So the first area is to humble ourselves. The second area is to pray. The third area is to seek his face. In other words, it's not just about the answer to our prayers. It's actually getting to know God for who he is. Notice he said, seek my face, not his hand. So here we are, it's a posture where, wow, there's this amazing, loving God, holy God, awesome God, powerful God of the universe. And he's saying not only to seek him through humility and prayer, but seek his face. I, I believe part of this is understanding just who he is for who he is, apart from what he does with the coronavirus and our other issues. And, and let me remind us that before this pandemic showed up, 
we had many problems in this nation. And, and so it's not just focusing on problems. It's just simply focusing on God for who he is. That's part of this whole thing. God doesn't want us just to walk away from this free from a pandemic. He wants us to walk away from this with him. He's our first love, Revelation chapter 2. And last, in 2 Chronicles 7.14, it says, turn from your wicked ways. We have got to acknowledge both within the church and as a nation as a whole that we have been rebellious against God. We have defied him. We have done this nationally. And to a degree, it's, it's heartbreaking, but we have even done this within the church. And so we need to get serious here about a holy God and, and his holy presence here. What is he saying to us as individuals and as a nation? And just a, a few items here uh, as we look at uh, like the church first. Um, you know, we, we can say that that, or agree with Jesus that he said you can't serve both God and mammon or in other words money. But it seems like there's a great trust even within the body of Christ just simply with our, our, our money, our, our paychecks, our 401k and on and on. And it's like Jesus and, and Paul demonstrate that they, they weren't concerned about that. They were concerned about loving the Lord, doing his will. Like that's something that we have got to humble ourselves. In this amazing economy we had just up until three weeks ago, uh, we need to tell the Lord, like, Lord, we're not here to love prosperity, love our robust economy. All of the gains with the stock market uh, over the last three years, all those record gains, they were all wiped out in the last three weeks. We need to say, God, I'm okay with that. I follow you. I trust you. So that's just one area. But there's so many other areas we, we should look at. Our sexual purity, our infidelity. And so often we've looked uh, toward uh, to entertainment and different things when God was calling his church to, to seek him, actually do these four things long before this pandemic broke out. And so there are many things even within the church that are wicked ways, but also just the nation. We need to say, God, we have murdered our, our unborn, our yet-to-be-born. We've murdered them. We've made it a legal right. Only pagan cultures kill their own offspring. And again, and again the, the, the whole nation has been driven by money. It's not just something that can, that can seep into the body of Christ, but the whole nation has loved money and, uh, and prosperity and things and so forth. And we've been off track as a nation in that. And we could go on and on here. I, I know that you know what's going on in our nation. But here's the point is publicly now, we are confessing publicly, uh, openly. We are admitting our sins and coming back. We are returning to the living God in his will, in his ways. We are repenting personally and as a nation. God says in his word, that is the prescription to get out of this kind of a mess. Humble yourself, pray, seek his face, and turn from your wicked ways. Now, in closing, I just simply want to say that, uh, that we are called as believers to be different. So let's 
be different. We are supposed to be different in, in so much of this that is related to faith and faith steps. Everything I went over here, even trusting in those promises and those scriptures uh, in this day and hour, it's all by faith. That's one thing that the world, the government, the media, it's not giving us is how do you respond in faith? So let's be different. Let's, as the body of Christ in this day and hour, let's be of faith, living by faith. I look forward to being with you next time on Insights.